Hi, Scott and John here. Yeah, folks, the world is fast approaching the end game, and we are trying to expose the upcoming deception before time runs out. We want to make this a full-time goal, and we need your support to fight the satanic global elite. So here's how you can help. Subscribe to the new Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast to listen to every episode ad-free. Plus, get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to a new community forum. Sure. So just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us today on the Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell, and with me today is Zena, the Warrior Princess. Hi, everyone. Hey, Zena, how are you today? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm very well, thank you. And welcome to joining us on Bible Mysteries on the UTB Now Network, the Unlock the Bible Now. Uh, you've got a big job for us today. You're going to be my co-host representing the 20-something crowd, right? That's true. I am from the 90s. That's right. And I'm from the 60s. So it's kind of natural for people from different generations to kind of be skeptical about things. And I want that healthy dose of skepticism from you because we're going to talk about some really weird stuff in the Bible. And I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm glad that you've got the enthusiasm. So obviously the title of the show is Bible Mysteries, and people don't realize that there's things in the Bible that are very unusual that churches, preachers, speakers rarely ever talk about. Do you know why that is? I think it's because, number one, they're not sure how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Number two, sometimes people just avoid it because it's uncomfortable to talk about. Or number three, quite frankly, a lot of people that are trained in seminaries are taught things like Greek or Hebrew or um, how to plant churches, all good things. Yeah. But they don't really focus on this kind of stuff. So I'm going to focus on these things because it's so unusual, so interesting, and it might just explain a lot about why things are getting very unusual in the world today. Why now and not later? Well, it seems like now things are culminating as if the time is right. There could have been any number of times, you know, when World War II started, people yeah. thought that was the end of the world. Mm -hmm. People thought that was the end of the world in World War I. You know, people thought Hitler was the Antichrist. There's always been somebody accused of being something that's bringing about the so-called end times. Uh, what we'll find out as we study the scriptures is that a lot of things were predicted, but a lot of things that happened in the past are types of things that are going to happen again. And we may not realize it, but those types and those patterns are very important, and they give us clues as to what could be coming next. So you're stating the past does repeat itself. It really does. In fact, it's interesting. There's a passage in a book of the Torah or the Old Testament, and that book is called Ecclesiastes. And it says there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that you see now has been done before. And I used to think about that and think, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just poetry. But then I think, well, look at our technology. We can we put men on the moon. We can fly rockets. We can build nuclear weapons. Yeah. Are you mean to tell me they've been around before? Yeah, that would be very interesting. <laughs> well, what if we found out that there was an entire civilization on this planet before God even made man? And we have no idea what technology they had. Yeah, I would say, show me the proof. Good. And that's what I want to do. We're going to try to use scripture. We're going to try to use the Old Testament writings like the Torah. And we might rely sometimes on other resources. I'm never going to try to prove a truth out of something that is not 
part of the canon of accepted scripture, but we might reference it for historical significance. For example, there's books that were not included in the Bible, such as things like the book of Enoch or other things that are considered apocryphal. And while we can't rely on them as scripture, we might refer to them and say, it's interesting that that sort of backs up this thing. Or then we might even refer to some other outside resources or website. And really, the main thing is for people to get enough information to go do their own research. I like that idea. Yeah, I'd like for people not to take my word for anything, but to go check it out themselves, because we're going to dig into some things that are truly intriguing. And I cannot wait. Well, I'm so glad you're with us today. We look forward to getting this going every week, Zena. And so if you're finding that this podcast is something that you enjoy listening to, or it sort of tickles your brain a little bit, that's what we want to do. We'd like you to join us every week on Bible Mysteries. So to get started today, we're going to talk about a very interesting concept I just sort of alluded to, that there was occupants on this earth before God even made man. Who do you think those occupants were? That's what we're going to look into. I think they were angels, and we'll go back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 to see how that might be. Okay. The Bible is broken up into the Old and the New Testament, and what we call the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible calls the Torah. They're essentially the same books, but maybe in a little bit different order. But they agree. They say the same things. So the Jews have the same scripture that we do in Genesis 1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And most people read that in their Bible, and they think, okay, and here's how he did it. That's the next verse, verse 2. And it starts with this world being in like a mess and kind of a a formless shape. But we're going to find out that there's something else going on there. God didn't just give us the answer right there in that verse. There's some other verses we have to find out because we're going to learn that he had to write the Bible in such a way to hide this truth from the enemy. Why do you think he was trying to hide this truth? Because the enemy, Satan himself, would try to undermine anything God does. He always does, and he also tries to duplicate God as an imposter, but he's the opposite in everything. So God has a son, the devil has a son. God has a Holy Spirit, the devil has an unholy spirit or false prophet, right? God has a temple in a city, the devil has a temple in a city. So the devil doing all these things kind of begs the question, well, where did he come from? And why did God even create him? Right. Right. That's a lot of people ask that. Well, if God is good, why did he make the devil? And the truth is he wasn't the devil to start with. He wasn't? He was not. He was something far different than that. And so Genesis chapter one says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But we're going to find out that it's not the way it seems. So for example, When we go to school, we learn in science that the earth is thousands or billions of years old or whatever they may say. And the Bible says it's only 6,000 years old. Because if you think about the timeline of man in the Bible, Adam was born about, or created, I should say, about 4,000 years before Jesus was born. If we use Jesus as a marker of time, because we go from B.C. to A.D., right? Yeah. So from Jesus till today has been nearly 2,000 years. So when you add the four from Adam to Jesus and the two from Jesus to today, it's 6,000 years. Well, scientists say ape-like creatures were on the earth before man and we evolved and did this and that. And it's been thousands, if not millions of years. So the question is, how can the earth be only 6,000 years old when the forensic evidence of geology and the fossil record reveals that the earth is very ancient? And not only that, but how could death 
have only started with the fall of man, and we'll see, we'll see why sin brought death in, about 6,000 years ago, when evidence for death is found throughout the geologic ages in the fossil record. And they're saying these fossils are billions or millions of years old, whatever. So how do we account for that? And then there's a third question to ponder. How can man have been on the earth for only about 6,000 years when there's evidence of man-like creatures inhabiting the earth for hundreds of thousands of years? So a lot of scientists will not reconcile any of that with the Bible because they think, well, the Bible's just myths and legends. Yeah. But what if we could find an answer to all of that in the Bible that does explain why they might be, number one, they could be right, or they could be misdirected, or it could be a combination of both. A proper understanding of the Genesis narrative is key to answering these questions, all right? So we're going to go to a book called the Book of Job. Now, Job was a man that lived back in the time of the Old Testament, and it's actually the oldest book in the Bible. A lot of people think Genesis is the first book. Well, it's the first one in the list of books, but it's not the oldest chronologically. Job is the oldest chronologically, and Job went through some troubles. Do you remember the story of Job? I do not, actually. Well, he was a man that kind of had everything going on fine, and what life was good, and he was rich, and he had healthy sons and daughters and cattle and all this kind of stuff. And the devil came before God, and God said, have you noticed how great a man Job is? And the devil said, yeah, let me add his wealth, and we'll see if he doesn't curse you to your face. So God said, okay, you can take his wealth, but you can't touch him. And the devil caused everything to happen to where in one day Job became impoverished. And then he still wouldn't curse God. So the devil appeared again before the Lord. And the Lord said, have you noticed, Job, he didn't curse me. And the devil said, yeah, but you hurt his skin, he'll curse you to your face. And Job said, okay, you can hurt him, but you can't take his life. So he afflicted him with boils. Oh, and I forgot that he also killed his children. No. Yeah, a storm came down and killed, the house fell down on the kids and in one location. He lost everything but his wife. That's horrible. It is horrible. So in all that time, Job didn't curse God. He stayed faithful. He wanted to die. He was in a horrible situation. He was covered from head to toe with boils, and he was miserable. But he just kept saying, God, just kill me, just kill me. I don't know what I've done. And finally, God appeared to Job at the end of the book in chapter 38, and he spoke to him out of a whirlwind. And basically, Job had these three friends that were no help at all. And they kept saying, you must have done something bad, Job, or this wouldn't happen to you, right? But then Job kept saying, nope, God's righteous, and maybe I, didn't, maybe I did something I don't know about, but I'm not going to curse him, you know? And eventually God showed up, and he was basically talking to them, and they said, who do you guys think you are? If you think you're so smart, why don't you answer me these questions? So the chapter 38 of Job, we read in verse 4, God is speaking to Job, and he says, where was thou where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Now, can you imagine God appearing and saying to you, Zena, where were you when I made the earth? I'd be like, um, <laughs> probably reading a book. <laughs> exactly. Well, and by the way, you notice I said that word thou. I use a King James Bible because you may not know this, but men never spoke this way. They didn't say, how art thou today? Can I get this, thee something? They never spoke like that. The translators actually did that for a reason, because thou and thee are always singular. Okay. And ye and you are always plural. So we might say, because we're in the South, how are y'all doing, right? Yes. And we mean you all, <laughs> right? Uh, and maybe in the North they say you guys or something, right? <laughs> but they, we have sort of a colloquialism for that, but they didn't have that back then. So since it didn't exist and they wanted clarity, if Jesus said, um, ye are the salt of the earth, he was talking to the whole group. But if he said, keep that which is committed to thy trust, he was talking to one person. 
Okay. Like when he said to the woman caught in adultery, go thy way and sin no more. Thy sins be forgiven thee. He was just talking to her. There was okay. nothing else around, right? So it helps clarify who's being addressed. So when God said, where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? He's singling Job out, you know? Yeah. Where was thou when thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. He's directing it directly at Job. Well, he continues and he says, he asks him, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? And that tells me a little bit about how God made the earth. He measured it out, you know, and fa- has foundations. You think of like you build a house and you yeah. build a foundation. The earth has foundations. But how did he measure it out? Like, did he use like feet, yards? Yeah, that's a good question. And we don't know his measure, right? Because when mm-hmm. we measure things in feet, it's because a man's foot can be 12 inches. Yeah. Some king had a 12-inch foot, right? <laughs> right? And that became the measure. A cubit, by the way, is a measure in the Bible. And a cubit was this, from elbow to fingertip. Whoa. Which on the average man at the time was about 18 inches. Okay. Roughly, you know. So uh, cubits are used as measure. And there's, there's furlongs. Right? And you've heard of fathoms? Yes. Like the depth of the ocean? So they use all of those as measurements. So we don't know what measure he used, but can you imagine, imagine the measuring tape right. <laughs> that he had when he laid the measure? Right? And then he says, or who has stretched the line upon it? And you think of a line like, have you ever seen a line level where they're going to build a fence maybe, and they, they put one post, they put another post, and to make sure they're even, they tack a string. Yes. And they put the string across it and they hang a little level on it. And if it's level, they know they don't have to make the post any deeper. So the line is another construction instrument, right? And then he says, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened or who laid the cornerstone thereof? So a cornerstone, you think of like a a building with its first stone to set for the for the brick layers, if you get that first one wrong or crooked, then the whole building's going to Yeah. Be so he laid a, a, a stone and he fastened the foundation on it. And then here's the verse I'm after, and this is the one that's really interesting. He laid the cornerstone in verse 7, says, When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Who are the morning stars and who are the sons of God? They were watching God lay the foundation. They were watching him put the cornerstone to, put, to build the earth. So man couldn't have been there yet. No. He hasn't made man yet. He hasn't even made land yet. He's building the foundation of the earth. But some individuals are there, the sons of God and the morning stars. They're shouting for joy and they're singing together. If you had to guess, who would you think that would be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would think Jesus would be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure who the morning stars would be. Okay. Well, that's good because that's probably a lot of people that are wondering the same thing. Well, it turns out it's the angels. So Christ himself is the creator, right? Since yeah. the Bible says he's the son of God and all things were made by him, mm-hmm. he could be the one stretching the foundation okay. and the line. But the angels are the morning stars. And we're going to find out that angels are often referenced as stars in the Bible. Okay. It's a type. It's another symbol of something else. So the Bible does use figurative language, but it always explains it. We don't, we're not left to guess, right? Yeah. So it's literal unless he uses a metaphor. So the morning stars and the sons of God. Sons of God is a term that the Bible always used to refer to a created being, right? So Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God, right? And what do you mean by that? Meaning he was born of a woman. 
Okay. So Virgin Mary, right, gave birth to the, the Christ child. Well, Jesus was born of a, of a woman into flesh. Okay. So he was begotten. That's okay. what that means. But other people, other um, persons or creatures, if you want, were created. So Christ was never created because he's the creator, but he created angels. Okay. Hence, they're called sons of God. He created Adam, who is called the son of God. Okay. You and I would not be sons of God. We would be sons of Adam by birth, but we become sons of God by adoption through Christ. Okay. Okay. It's really interesting to see that Satan himself was a son of God. He was a created being that God literally made, and that's all going to tie into what we're getting into about this occupant's of earth before yeah. man, right? So if we can show that it was the angels, sons of God, morning stars, right, that were shouting and singing when God laid the foundations of the earth, what were they shouting and singing about, do you think? It's because, oh, fireworks, beautiful, what a cool scene. <laughs> yeah. you think they were just so happy to see God, or do you think it was another reason? There has to be another reason. I think there was. And we find the answer to that in the book of Isaiah. Okay, so we, like I said, if you just read Genesis by itself, you might not get the full picture. So God put these things all over the place because he doesn't want the devil to figure things out. Now, the devil might be able to go back and look in hindsight after God revealed it to us, but he had no idea when it was happening. So you're saying he was oblivious to all of this? He was oblivious to it because God hid it from him. Okay. And there's even a passage of the Bible that's going to tell you why he did that. He had to hide the whole thing from it. But we'll start in Isaiah chapter 45, which is a really cool verse because it simply says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. So as God was making the earth, we know that he made it. He didn't uh, create it in vain. And he made it to be inhabited. So if you put two and two together, first he made heaven, then he made earth. When he made heaven, he made the angels, morning stars, sons of God. They sang when he made the earth because he made them a home. So you're saying earth was originally supposed to be a home for the angels, not for us. It exactly was. It was, in fact, inhabited by them, and we don't even know how long. It could have been billions of years because there had been no time. God didn't create time until after something happened. Wow. So we don't know how long angels occupied the earth living in cities. They had nations. They had temples. They worshiped God. They had interaction, right? And they had ranks. They really? Had there were kings. Yep. And they were involved in a let's call it a culture, an okay. angelic culture, if you will. And uh, we're going to learn some things about that culture next. Right? Okay. Okay. So we'll go to a passage in, uh, back to Genesis chapter one, because we're going to see something that should give us a clue as to why I'm thinking this way. Because you might be listening to this and going, wait a minute, you're just reading into this. Well, let's see if that's true. Okay. So we'll go to Genesis chapter one again. And we left off in verse two. We didn't read verse two. All right. So first we read in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then the very next verse, verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the traditional 
Christian teaching is in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and here's how he did it. He started with a formless, voidless, shapeless world, and he brought out of it light and then land and then water and things like that. But I beg to differ with that because, first of all, why is the earth without form and void, and why did he need to start that way? Right. If he's God, he's perfect. And why is there darkness? Who is the dark? Who is the dark? That's a great question, Zena. And if God is light and in him is no darkness, and the Bible says that, then why would there be darkness at all? How did this darkness even become? Well, you just said a word that is the key to everything, become. It says the earth was without form and void. Do you know in the ancient Torah scriptures, it's the earth became without form and void. And notice something else here. It says that the darkness was upon the face of the deep. What is the deep? I hope they're not talking about water. They are. Really? Yeah, because the next verse says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the deep is water. Do you know that Noah's flood was the second flood on this earth? What was the first flood? This one. Right here. There was a flood. The earth became without form and void because something happened to that world with those angels on it, and God had to destroy it. Now, what could have happened to where he had to have caused a flood? That's where we come back to a gentleman named Lucifer. Have you ever heard that name? I have heard that name. (laughs) Now, if you hear the name Lucifer, what does that mean to you? What do you think of? I think of Satan automatically. That's right. And I believe you're correct on that because Lucifer is Satan, but he wasn't always Satan. Because you ever think, where did Satan come from? Yeah. Like, how did this person just pop up? He was a type of angel that God created. And in fact, he was a angel, we're going to find out shortly here, that's called a cherub. And it's the highest ranking angel that God ever made. So you're saying an angel rebelled against God. Yeah. Why? Because he wanted to be God. You're going to find out he had some authority and he was over the entire creation. He was the king of the world. And with all, he led the worship of God. And after some time, he thought, I want to in on the action. He's getting all this praise and glory, and I'm not getting any. I'm beautiful. I'm light. I'm wise. I want this worship. He's greedy. He got very greedy and very prideful. And so angels have the ability to sin. Wow. And you're going to find out that a third of all the angels joined him, Lucifer, in that rebellion. Bad, bad angels. That's the battle we're talking about. Good and bad angels that have been fighting over you (laughs) for thousands of years. My goodness. I didn't know I was that important. You are so important. You are so important to God, it's not, it can't even be measured, right? So what's interesting about that phrase I told you about in Hebrew, the Torah, and without form and void, and that's interesting because sometimes that word is translated as vain. And we read in Isaiah that God created the earth not in vain. So it almost implies that, well, wait a minute, which one is true? Is God perfect in his actions and he didn't create the earth in vain? Or did he start with something vain? Yeah. Darkness without form and void? Well, that very phrase in Hebrew, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so, you know, any any of our Jewish listeners that speak Hebrew, you're going to laugh when you hear me say this. (laughs) But it looks like it's pronounced tohu va bohu. That's the Hebrew that is translated as without form and void. right? From the original Hebrew Masoretic text. So that phrase is used only three times in the Bible. Why is that? 
Well, it, there's no reason I can explain why it's only used three times, but here's what I do know. I know where the other two times are, and we're going to go read them and connect some dots because we're going to find out that if those other two instances give us anything to learn from them, we can apply it to the first one that was used. Okay. Because right here, we just see the earth is without form and void, and we don't know why. Yes. But it is. Let's see if we can figure out why. Okay. All right? So we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah is a prophet of God from the Old Testament scriptures or Torah. All right? And he was a very interesting man. Chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 23. Now, God gives him as a prophet a prophecy to reveal to Israel. Okay. And as he's speaking, he's talking about a future event. And he writes in verse 23, I beheld the earth... And lo, it was without form and void. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I want to take a moment to remind you of something very important. There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we want to expose the coming deception before time runs out. Freedom of speech is under attack, and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak. This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elite's own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast so the controlled media can't shut us down. We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed. But to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries. Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech. And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again, and here's the show. Same phrase. Tohu va bohu, right? Yeah. Same phrase. And he says, and the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens were fled. Well, he can't be talking about Genesis 1, verse 2, because he hadn't made men or birds yet. Okay. And here it says, there isn't a man around, and the birds are gone. And then he says in verse 26, I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down. So, obviously, there had been cities, and there had been fruitful fields and, you know, vineyards and things. Uh -huh. So, they're gone now. They're all burned up or whatever happened. And it says that they were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger. For thus saith the Lord, uh, thus hath the Lord said, the whole land shall be desolate, yet will I not make a full end. And it's a pronouncement of God's divine judgment on a people here, which I think is Edom, but it could be Israel. Okay. I didn't go back to look at the context. But what I'm interested in is just that phrase, without form and void. Here it's used in connection to God's fierce wrath and anger, right? Yeah. So if the he made that place, that land become desolate because he was angry with it. He punished them. It was wrath. All right? So that's why I use the term divine judgment. Well, that's one. Now let's go to another one in the book of Isaiah, chapter 34. We'll go back to Isaiah. And the only other place in the Bible where without form and void is used is in Isaiah, chapter 34, 
verse 8. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance. Sound familiar? It does. More divine judgment, right? And the year of recompense is for the controversy of Zion. Zion is another word for Jerusalem. Okay. okay. And the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. And this one actually is talking about Edom, which is another country over there at the time. Okay. And the land shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever from generation to generation. It shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. So that's a serious judgment on this country here. And then he says, but the cormorant and the bittern shall possess it. Those are birds like we would call them buzzards and vultures, right? (laughs) And the owl also and the raven shall dwell in it. And now watch this. And he shall stretch out upon it the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. And that line, the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness is tohu vabohu. Wow, it's crazy how they all connect together. Quick question. Yeah. What vengeance was he trying to get? Well, in this case, it was the country of Edom. And there's a whole story behind that that we can get into in another episode where Edom was Esau, the brother of Jacob. And remember, Esau hated the birthright that his father Isaac was going to give him, and Jacob stole it from him for a bowl of soup. Oh, Jacob. <laughs> so he was mad at Jacob for doing that. But the truth was, Jacob becomes Israel because Jacob wanted the blessing, and Esau didn't care about it. And the blessing had to do with a promise God made. So for Esau to treat that lightly, God was not happy with that. And even though Jacob stole it from him through deceit, God honored his faithfulness. Isn't that wild? That is wild. God will use wicked men to get things done. (laughs) Right? (laughs) The only kind of men he can find, right? (laughs) But what's interesting that you caught on here is that this is another passage of God's anger or wrath or vengeance, divine judgment. So if he was punishing Edom for the controversy of Zion, if back in Jeremiah he was punishing another nation, which I think it was Israel and something to do with them in in a time when they did bad too, because they did a lot, Mm -hmm. um, then it was divine judgment in two instances. Why wouldn't it be in the first? Right. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. Where did the darkness come from? Why was there, you know, a, a without form and void? God was mad. He destroyed something that he created because something happened to it. So are you saying God brought the darkness? Yes. And he brought the darkness not because he created that darkness, but because the darkness came in the form of that guy we were talking about earlier, Lucifer. Wow. So think about what, and we're gonna, we've got time to do this because we're still, uh, we still have a few minutes. So we've got an individual named Lucifer that we're going to learn about in just a moment in a type. He's given a different name. He's called the King of Tyrus. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to find out who he really is, and he's not a man. And then we're going to find out what he did, and it's beginning again to explain where the darkness came from and why God had to destroy the earth. Now, with this darkness, can't God just take it away? Well, he did, but he did it in a special way. Okay. Through his son. And the whole thing hinges upon he had to legally find a way to restore order without the devil being able to undo what he does, okay. right? Because the devil has power. He is a powerful being, but he's not God. So we go now 
to, uh, we've already read Genesis chapter one, the earth was without form and void due to divine judgment. So why? What happened? Well, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 14. And remember I mentioned that name Lucifer? Yes. Okay. Well, the only place his name is mentioned anywhere in any Bible is in a King James Bible in Isaiah chapter 14. Why is that? I don't know why they take it out of the other Bibles, but I have an idea. I won't get into that today. <laughs> but as we go along, you're going to find out that the devil's been behind a lot of things. And some of those things are religious. My goodness, he's a busy man. He's a busy man. So Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? So he was in heaven. Son of the morning, he's called. How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He had a throne, right? Which means he was a king. Yes. I sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. North is up, heaven, right? And there's a mount, mountain. God has a mountain. It's called a holy mountain. We'll find out it's Jerusalem. And I will sit, uh, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Can you imagine somebody created saying, I'm going to be God? I want to be like God? That is so selfish. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, it's beyond selfish. And so he wanted all that. Well, how is one angel going to take on God? Who's got an innumerable company of angels to defend him if he had to. Not that God needed defending, but yeah. you get the idea. So what's he going to do? I mean, the devil didn't just decide, I want to be God, and he shook his fist and he rose up to heaven. He planned it. Yes. Because you don't make an insurrection without a plan. Very true. And what do you need to take on an army? Your own army. That's right. So where did he get his own army from? I'm assuming he lied to a bunch of other angels to get them to follow him. That is exactly right. Now think about that. You're an angel. Okay. You watched God lay the foundations and you sang and shouted for joy, right? Uh-huh. And Job. And you know he made Lucifer. Now he's a brighter angel than you, but you're happy with your lot. Yeah. Right? You may be an archangel or a lower ranking angel or whatever the order God had, but you're not Lucifer. He's the top dog, right? Yeah. Under God, right? So since you saw God make all these things and you know he's a created being, what could he possibly offer you to convince you to join him and his army in a rebellion against the very creator you know made you? Nothing. What if he offered you to become a god and gave you power and glory and riches and wealth? Well, first off, I'd be like, you have to show me this. How can you do this when you're just an angel just like me? Well, as we're going to find out, he was pretty smart. And so he did exactly that. He convinced a third of the angels to join him in a rebellion because he offered them something. I'll make you a prince of this thing, a prince of that thing, a king over this, a king over that. And we're going to find out it was over the nations. Even to this very day, there are satanic angels that run the governments of the world. You're kidding. You're not kidding at all. And you will find out that they're actively involved in things. And that's why when we vote, things never change. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> right? So Ezekiel 28, we'll just probably have time for this last passage before we close today. And we'll go to Ezekiel chapter 28, another prophet of God from the Torah. 
And we go to verse 13. And then we're introduced to this man called the king of Tyrus. So actually, we'll start in verse 11, because I think it makes more sense for the context. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, that's a term for a prophet, take up a lamentation, weeping and wailing. Cry, for, cry over something. You're going to tell a sad story okay. about the king of Tyrus. And say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou, Tyrus, sealest up the sum. You're the, you're the cat's meow. You're the top dog. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, when we saw Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden, the only other thing that was there was the serpent, right? Yes. Well, this was before that. What does that tell you about Eden? It's got some evil there. There was some evil there. Well, it's about to happen right here, but think about it like this. If this is before God made man, we're going to prove that it is. Then Eden, and you know, people think of the Garden of Eden, and they think of this lush green place, right? Where yeah. Adam and Eve were naked eating apples or something like that, right? <laughs> but the Garden was in Eden. Eden was a country. The Garden was a portion of the country. It would be like Austin, Texas. Okay. The Garden of Texas, if you will, you know, something like that. So they were in the Garden. So we're going to find out that in the Garden, at this time, there was a mountain, there was a throne, and God sat on it. And this king was a king of another country called Tyrus. Okay. And he approached God in Eden. And that's what's happening here. So he says, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. You were allowed to come in, right? Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. Imagine being made with these things. And I say made because watch, the workmanship of thy tabrets, an instrument, and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. So he's not a man. No. He's a created being. Okay. With built-in jewels and gold and things, almost like the high priest. You know, in the high priest of, of, the, of the Israeli temple mm -hmm. wore a chest plate that had those stones in it. Very similar to that. Really? Twelve stones for each of the twelve tribes. And then verse 14 says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Now remember we talked about a cherub as a type of angel. Yes. It's a top-ranking angel. He's the anointed cherub. Do you know what the word anointed is in Hebrew? No. Messiah. Right? In other words, Jesus Christ. Christ is Greek for Messiah. Christos, anointed. He's the anointed one. Well, this was an anointed cherub. So he, he was a king. He had some authority. Mm -hmm. He was put in that position by God himself. And as we're going to find out, it looks like, given that he had music and all this beauty and everything else, he was like a worship leader. He led the worship of God for the angels okay. that lived on the earth before man. And then it says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I've set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. I can't figure out what the stones of fire are, <laughs> but they sound cool. Right? Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. Now, what we're going to find out is when we talked about the mysteries of God in the beginning of this podcast today, one of those mysteries is called by the Apostle Paul the mystery of iniquity. Iniquity is sin. Okay. It's a type of sin, but it's sin. And so 
iniquity was found in him, this mystery of iniquity began with the king of Tyrus. We're going to find out that this is, in fact, Lucifer. It's the same person. It's in type, right? So, the, he, so Lucifer was a king on the earth over a country or city called Tyrus that had access to God in Eden and could walk up and down in the stones of fire and go up to the mountain of God. But then iniquity was found in him. Why? What was the iniquity? Well, we already read about Lucifer. I will ascend up. I will go above the mountain. I will be like God. We know what he wanted. He wanted in with the action. He wanted to be worshipped. Yeah. The devil wants to be God. And he can't. He can't be God, but he thinks he can win. Because he's so smart, he thinks he can defeat God. That's why God had to hide these mysteries. So Satan couldn't figure out a way to get in and take over. Okay. Isn't that something? So it continues. And there's some interesting things he says. It says, by the multitude of thy merchandise, they filled the midst of thee with violence and thou hast sinned. What is merchandise? Were you talking about like products? Yeah. Like selling something. Okay. A merchant trades, sells merchandise, right? Okay. So what does an angel need to buy anything? Right? You've he, got everything. He sold a bill of goods. He must have promised them something. Like, you think of a huckster. Buy this, buy in on this stock, and you'll become a millionaire. Right? He said, you join me, I'll give you riches and glory. And we're going to see that he offered the exact same thing to the man Jesus later on. And Jesus turned him down. <laughs> I bet that hurt his pride. That hurt his pride a lot because <laughs> he thought he could win. He says, therefore, because you did this, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thy, uh, thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. And the root of brightness is the root of the word Lucifer. Light bringer, light giver. Lucifer. That's who this is. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Now, that part hasn't happened yet. He will ultimately be destroyed. But this is a picture of a prophecy of what's going to happen. Okay. Thou hast, now, here's the one, verse 18. Thou hast destroyed thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. What is traffic? We think of traveling in cars, right? Yeah. Well, the reason we get driver's licenses is because you are getting a license to conduct interstate traffic, commerce. Okay. So commerce, traffic is actually interactions with money. You know, you go, why do you, why is it commerce? Because you get in a car to drive to your job. Mm -hmm. So you can sell something or make something or make a living, right? So traffic is an old word used about commerce, trade. Merchants, everything else. So he trafficked in something. It wasn't drugs. <laughs> it was lies. Do you know there's a verse in the Bible that says the love of money is the root of what? All evil. I did not know that was a verse in the Bible. I just thought someone came up with it and then it became this. Like it was a wise yeah, problem. Yeah, I was like, wow, such a wise person. It's actually in the Bible. And, the, and Paul wrote it in one of the letters to Timothy. The love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. Most people say money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money is mm -hmm. the root of all Because money is just a tool. You yeah. need it to buy groceries. You need it to feed your kids. But money, I want more of it. That's an enticement. Remember you mentioned greed earlier? Yes. Right? Well, what if you could have so much money you didn't care who you hurt? Right? What if you, you're promised wealth so beyond Bill Gates, beyond 
uh, Warren Buffett. Like you could buy and sell them 10 times over. Imagine somebody that rich. That's what Satan offers men. That's crazy. Why would you, like, who would need that much money? I mean, if you have that much money, why not help out the government? Right. Get us out of debt, please. Thank you. Well, why would the angels join Lucifer in rebellion when they knew he wasn't the creator? Why would man worship Satan when he knows he's not the creator? These very wealthy people actually do worship him, whether they know it or not. That's horrible. It is horrible. And that's why things in the world are so crazy right now, because as we go along in this podcast, you're going to learn that there's been an insidious plan all along by Lucifer to bring about his ability to gain control of the earth, because he had it once, he wants it back. Now, do you think with all of this happening that we would see possibly another flood? Not another flood because God promised he wouldn't do it again after Noah's flood. Okay. And the rainbow is actually the symbol that says he guarantees it. That's beautiful. Isn't that something? It's a token, he said. But he is going to destroy the earth again with fire. Oh. Uh, That's what's coming. So people talk about global warming. They ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. Yeah, right? So we'll get into many things about this. But to close, I want to share with you the thought that in synopsis of this, Lucifer was this cherub. He committed a sin of wanting to be God. He convinced a third of the angels to join him in rebellion, and God cast him out. So what do you think they did? Satan went, I'll show you. I'll take your beautiful creation, and I'll pollute it. And he destroyed it. He profane, He, for all I know, he took the animals that existed then and he messed with their DNA and he turned them into corrupted things instead of what they were, right? Yeah. And he went in and he destroyed and defiled the sanctuary. Remember we already had sanctuaries. Yes. What is that? What is a sanctuary? I would that's a place where you would go to praise some or praise God. Exactly. So I believe the angels praised God in the sanctuaries in their countries on the world at that time. And you know what the devil did? He went into those sanctuaries and he put his own image in the sanctuaries and he said, I'm God. And his image is the image of a bull. How rude. <laughs> that is so rude. And he's gonna do it again. He's going to do it again in the end times. When we look into that in the book of Revelation, he puts his image in the temple again. And what you'll find out as a cherub, believe it or not, is an angelic creature that has four faces. It's got the face of a man, okay, the face of an eagle, the face of a lion, and the face of a calf, a baby bull. And the predominant face that faces forward is the calf. You ever wonder why the devil is pictured with horns and cloven hooves? I've, I did always wonder that. It's a caricature of the cherub, right? And he has wings too. So it's a fascinating thing. And we're going to find out that there is another angel that's bigger and badder than Satan. And he's going to come along when Jesus comes back and he's going to grab Lucifer, wrap him in a chain and throw him in the bottomless pit. So people talk about, boy, I wouldn't want to meet the devil in a dark corner. I don't want to meet that angel. No, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) Yeah, I would probably pass out if I saw it. So we'll talk about all these things. We'll talk about the giants. We'll talk about UFOs. This is all about revealing those mysteries of the Bible that they just don't talk about. So that's really all the time we have for today's episode. What do you think? 
I'm excited. I can't wait to learn more. Well, I'm so glad. And if you want to learn more about Bible Mysteries, you can listen each week for a new episode. You can also visit our website at utbnow.com. That's unlockthebiblenow.com to learn more. So thank you for listening today. For now, this is Scott and Zena signing off. Please join us again. Bye. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast. You can even gift a subscription to a friend. That's right. Remember, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to join and help us expose the satanic global elite, or make a tax-deductible donation at UTBNow.com. We need your help to fight the global censorship of the truth. Thanks for your support.